I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Sadie. She had a gastric sleeve surgery. Let's talk about it. Okie dokie. This is going to be really fun because we're sitting down with uh, maybe, I mean, I don't want to pick favorites, but like one of <laughs> our one of our favorite uh, patrons, a uh, longtime patron, <clears throat> longtime friend, um, Sadie, uh, who, who I mean, you've, you, you joined on to like the, the Patreon Hangouts a couple of years ago. I feel like we've, we've, yep. I mean, I, like I, I, I had to, I had to think today. I was like, I don't think I've ever actually been in the same room as Sadie. Um, I have. but I feel like I have. <laughs> yeah. Brian, you have, um, yeah. you, uh, Sadie, we're, we're so excited to have you on the show. Um, this, this feels like, you know, just a, one of our regular Wednesday Patreon hangouts, except it's, uh, it's just you and mm. not, and not a bunch of our other favorites. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, um, you enjoyed a nice uh, colo- colonialist holiday with, with that's Sadie. Right. Oh yeah. Thanksgiving. Mm. Yes. Um, we still, do you think, do you guys think Thanksgiving will go away eventually? Maybe. Yeah. Wait, can I tell you something actually, Brian? Yeah. Tell me. Um, so I actually don't celebrate Thanksgiving anymore. Um, after the, after the debauchery of, uh, my family. Thanksgiving right, right. Yeah. yeah. Your family really ruined it for me. No, Nothing I, to do with the historical roots. <laughs> <laughs> really just your experience just, with just Brian. Brian. <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, you brought me back to celebrating Thanksgiving one more time. That's how much I love you. Uh, <laughs> See, I thought it was just, um, I thought there was some sort of like uh, fictional story about some like like turkey that comes around and and gives presents to kids who've been good. That's what I thought Thanksgiving was, but right. now, yeah, and just like eggs. just, now you know, now just you know a copy, just a, a Christmas copy. Paste. That's what I celebrate yeah. the turkey. <laughs> right. But to get to uh, to get to the point here, Sadie is uh, Sadie is a patron, a friend, uh, one of our favorite uh, favorite. Um, Trolls of the podcast. Mm. Um, trolls uh, hard. Uh, he trolls very hard. Uh, uh, and I, 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 before we get into your your story, Sadie, of uh, of your gastric sleeve weight loss surgery, um, uh, you were saying before we started recording that you you have a little uh, you have like a little roast prepared for the three of us. I would love to hear the shit that you want to talk right now. Uh, so so the floor is yours. Yeah, this is like slightly more intense than usual because I'm used to just like leaving a snarky comment on YouTube or like you know, saying something of the. Yeah, save to my fucking face! <laughs> I, have, I have a question, Sadie. Sadie, do you go by a pen name? Uh, the pen name of Louise, by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> that was a deep cut. Deep cut. Yeah, no. So uh, originally, and it's very, it's a very brief roast, but um, originally I was thinking 
okay, so like if each of you were actually like personified diseases, oh, what yeah. disease <laughs> would you be? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But that got dark really fast. And that's more like a dark roast. It's too bitter. It's too mean. Like I was like, who do I make COVID? Like that's very tricky. Uh, so then I thought what if each of you were actual medical professionals that like knew something about like what you were talking about as opposed to like <laughs> right. three idiots God. that could, you, could you imagine? Yeah. are. It's yeah. hard to imagine um, that scenario, but I, I'm, I'm with you. Right, right. Um, okay, so here's what I decided. So I'll start with Brian um, because I, I love him the most. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, hey, we didn't pick favorites before, but you've, you've chosen another path. You're the best. <laughs> Uh, just a little bit more, you know, I love you all. Um, but anyway, okay. So Brian would specifically be a social work intern, um, because he's like super excited about everything therapy related. Um, but he doesn't really know what he's talking about. And, you know, he's like, he's like just a little bit annoying in like a really endearing way. He like not push, quite, yeah, yeah. pushes up his imaginary glasses and like, not quite mm, jaded what, yet. Yeah. Mm. And he, he wants yeah, to, and, and, he, and he like, he thinks he's got the solution and he voices what he thinks God. that will be. And then they're like, why don't you just go get me some coffee? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this is supposed to be Sadie Rosie. Not everybody piling on. It's <laughs> also why I started with Brian. I knew you guys would have things to add, you know? Uh, always. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, Brene Brown is totally right. I agree with you, Brian. Um, all right. So, <laughs> Taylor. Um, so, out of the three of you, uh, Taylor is clearly uh, the most educated, thinks he's the smartest in the room. So, he's clearly <laughs> the doctor, but specifically a male gynecologist. <laughs> it's like someone that, that people Ew. are just like, there's just always like a little bit of an eyebrow raise, like a little bit of doubt and concern as to why you're doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, like there is no one in the world so like, brash brazen who has as much confidence in the world as a male gynecologist like you know what the world needs me to look up their hoo-hahs like just a little bit just a little bit too aggressive with the swab you know and tell them all what they don't know (laughs) (laughs) and i do i'll tell you about your vulva i'm really i'm really surprised you didn't say he was like the pay clerk or like accounts receivable at like the american (laughs) hospital well you know i like my numbers (laughs) yeah yeah, behind. But the that makes stuff. that makes much more sense. A male gynecologist. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. All right, and then cl- clearly the best for last. Um, so Jeremy would be the creepy guy at the morgue. Uh, so you know there's like random tools and like body parts that like mysteriously go missing and he keeps these like weird pickled things in jars that are like not labeled and then like six months in like hr realizes that he was actually never hired in the first place and he just like disappears overnight and like an entire body is missing look they just see his tattoos and go you're way too into this <laughs> Holy fuck! Well, uh, uh, it, bravo! That, that was, was uh, that was quite good. Thank you so much. What a yeah. what a great way to kick off this conversation. Absolutely, uh, you're Sadie. You're you're always you're always so so fun to hang out with. Uh, we're so so happy that you were you were down to get on the show and uh, talk about something that we've never talked about on the show. Um, and and actually, before we even started recording, before you popped on, 
um, I was I was saying to Taylor, I was like, I don't even I I don't even know what a gastric sleeve surgery is. Um, and so I guess I guess before we get into like the the like ins and outs of the story, what what is a what is the gastric sleeve and like what is that what does that mean a gastric sleeve weight loss surgery like what does that entail? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, so there are a couple different options for weight loss surgery. I had sort of the middle of the road option. So what that means is um, it's a laparoscopic surgery. So the surgeon actually like. I just imagine myself there like naked on the operating table and the surgeon actually like pumps my abdomen full of air. Yeah. Uh, so just like blows mm. me up a little bit and then goes in with laparoscopic tools, which is just like a few small tools and a camera. And they, um, so if you imagine your stomach is kind of like a bag, um, they, in this particular surgery, they remove about um, 80% of your stomach. And so you're left with Whoa. just a small pouch that's roughly the size of an egg um at least initially it does expand a little bit over time but not much uh and that's the sleeve uh gastrectomy or gastric sleeve uh there are there's a more intense option so gastric sleeve is actually the most common option these days uh there's a more intense option which you may have heard of called a bariatric um oh my god now i actually can't remember what it's called um (laughs) The, the one that stands out to me oh, in my oh, mind is gastric bypass. Gastric bypass. Yes. Thank you so much. Okay. See Taylor coming in as the doctor, <laughs> yep. knowing everything. You, yeah. And you also have just straight up, I'm just looking this up, bariatric surgery, um, which is, which, or, or also known as weight loss surgery, which includes a variety of procedures performed on people who are obese, uh, uh, long-term weight loss through the standard of care pr- procedures. Uh, so you've got, You've got sleeve gastric uh, gastric gastrectomy. Billy, this is already my favorite episode. Oh fuck you, Billy! Let's say it. Let's say it together, Sadie. Gastrectomy. Thank you. How about how about this one? Billy pancreatic diversion with duo Duo, duodenal switch. Hey, oh, got it, close. got it. Uh, and then, uh, and then is, and then uh, you know what? And whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and fuck <laughs> it. <laughs> okay, so, so, so. All right, we got that out of the way. We now know what we're talking about when we when we refer to, uh, to gastric, gastric sleeve <laughs> surgery. For uh, um, <laughs> move your long, move your right along. Um, so. So this is it, it, one of the Jesus Christ. What is wrong with your dog, Brian? Turn I don't him know. off. I guess we gotta. Yeah, let's put him down. Put your yeah. You're gonna come over here. We're we're gonna. We're, this is it. You've lived a good life. It's been one year, and that's all we needed. <laughs> oh my God. Um, it's turning into Aww. a snuff video. <laughs> um, so cute, Sadie. Uh, uh, you you sent a, you sent actually two photos to us today, and um, and they were sort of like before and after pics of. You before the surgery, and you and you today, uh, literally today, as 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 of us recording this, and um, it's. I mean, it's. It was. I. I it, it was pretty wild. It's it was a stark, pretty, stark it, contrast. It was quite a contrast um, between the two Sadies. Um, take us back to, I guess, like where did this all begin? Um, you know, take us back through the story of like how you ended up to a point where you decided that this was the best course of action to go through with, with this surgery? 
Yeah, uh, just real quick. I like to joke that it looks like the fat me could have eaten the skinny me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I also enjoy disparaging humor against myself. So uh, mm-hmm. it's equal, equal opportunity. It's a great quality. Uh, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, all right. So anyway, yeah. So my, I feel like my journey actually started when I was very young. So when I was like around 10 years old, I had some trauma in my family and, uh, that's really when I had like my first depressive episode and I was home by myself a lot. And I used food to cope with like a lot of negative feelings, like to push down like boredom and loneliness and, and sadness, Um, and that turned into like a primary coping mechanism for me. And it's, it's really helpful in the short term, but not so great in the long term. Um, and so, and I, and, and, and I also got like very negative messages as we all do about, you know, the fact that like certain foods are bad, um, uh, and that actually sort of makes them more appealing in a way, Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, certain foods are healthy and that has some sort of like moral, um, moral association, even though it's like just food. Um, and then, you know, and I also, uh, you know, got picked on by various members of my family for being, being, uh, overweight, which a lot of people experience and that did not help things shockingly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and so I, I lost some weight when I went to college. Um, and I was sort of in a, a healthier environment where I had like a really good social support network. And, um, I also, just by the way, like there's an association that fat people are lazy. And Mm. this entire time I was uh, in high school, I was a two season varsity athlete. I played a D1 sport in college. It was, it was golf, but still (laughs) it was a sport technically. (laughs) Golf has many aspects to it that are very physically challenging. And also probably more of a game, but anyway, continue. (laughs) More of a game. (laughs) I'll let that go. Don't steal any of my potty parts. Um, But but anyway, um, so yeah, but, but with a lot of people who experience like weight gain and weight loss, I slowly gained it back over time. Also just like the stress of college, the stress of Mm. being in my twenties. Then I sort of went through some more trauma in my twenties and that sort of worsened. I also have like physical, I mean, mental um, health challenges um, due to a lot of this kind of stuff. And uh, again, I went back to my coping mechanism of food. And so um, more to sort of the surgery part of it, I actually tried to qualify for surgery. This is a little bit funny. So I tried to qualify for surgery in like my late twenties and there are certain parameters. So I, I live in the States. Um, and so, uh, for insurance purposes, there are certain parameters you have to meet as, as you do in Canada as well. Um, and you actually have to be, you have, you have your weight tracked for a certain number of months for me, for my insurance, it was six. Um, you also have to go through a whole, like see a bunch of doctors and stuff like that. Um, but I went through that whole process and found out because I didn't have any underlying or chronic health issues like diabetes, heart disease, high Mm. blood pressure, sleep apnea, anything like that. I was actually 10 pounds too skinny for the surgery. Oh, wow. Uh, do do you remember how much you weighed at that, at that point? Um, that, that is a very good question. I actually don't remember. And in general, I'm going, because another part of my story is definitely about like body image and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm actually going to try as best I can to avoid 
very specific numbers. So sure. I'll say like about 10 pounds, but mm-hmm. I, I do actually remember the specific number, but it, but it's also somewhat triggering for me to talk yeah. about specifics. Well, I, I feel like on that, on that point too, I, I just want to say like, I feel like this conversation in general is really hard for, for me to have because I feel like there is so much um, stigma around talking about body image. Like, yeah. Yeah, mm. I, like personally, I, I'm, it's, I'm worried. I don't want to, I don't ever offend anybody or like make anybody feel uncomfortable and talking about, you know, weight and body image and like all of the triggers that can exist around that. I feel like is really hard because you're worried about saying something that will make somebody, you yeah. know, but you've got to break yeah. it down into two categories. One, which of which is like <clears throat> it, image issues, like psychological, break it down into psychological and physical, right? Like, because there yeah. are, there are, there are like physical health things that are to do with weight. And then there are like psychological, personal image, self-image issues and the way that society views and everything like that. Those are two different conversations. Do you feel that those are two different conversations, Sadie? Oh, Taylor. I'm the so Dr. McGilvery. You to say something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Dr. McGilvery, OBGYN. <laughs> um, thank you. And, and just to clarify too, I was saying... I j- I personally find yeah. it difficult. Not not even that I I can I can uh, I could rationalize and pragmatically think about it in a way. But even so, like my emotional trigger to yeah, it I have is, no feelings. So like yeah, it's yeah. just like so I just <laughs> Sorry, so Sadie, I just I ahead, slice it down the middle. But but uh, to to your point, Brian, I think you are right. Like the, the, talking about body image at any point is always going to be extraordinarily triggering for 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 many people out there, and and we know this from you know, speaking with people like Kenzie Brenna on the show in the past and, and, and even in following Kenzie's, you know, social media journey and seeing the, the types of conversations that she's having with her followers. Like mm-hmm. this is a really, this is a, uh, this is subject matter that is very, uh, very sensitive subject matter for a lot of people. And, and, and there's, there's always going to be people on both sides that are like, uh, it's a very divisive it, it, it for 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 a lot of mm-hmm. folks and mm-hmm. and um and so anyway I, I just wanted to add that there but Sadie go, you go ahead and 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 uh, school, school Taylor <laughs> <laughs> agree or disagree <laughs> gladly always um I mean I I agree to some extent but I don't think it's such a dichotomy because actually so I've. Um, I've read a number of books and I've, I've gotten involved actually since I lost the weight, cause I always do everything backwards in something called the fat liberation movement, mm. um, which is a little bit different and definitely more radical than like the body positivity movement. Mm. Um, and so there's a very, uh, there's a couple of really good books. One is what we don't talk about when we talk about fat. And I believe this comes from that book, although it might also come from happy fat by Sophie Hagen, who is a hilarious, uh, stand-up comic and wonderful fat person. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so actually, in terms of physical health, about one third of uh, overweight people are actually metabolically totally healthy, like I was, right? Like I, my labs were great. Um, my, uh, you know, every, everything, I was totally healthy. I actually ate a fairly healthy diet. Like I've been uh, vegetarian, vegan, somewhere in there for like eight years. And when I was fat, nobody could ever remember that I was vegetarian. I think because <laughs> it has an association with health. Mm-hmm. And now that mm-hmm. I am in this body, which, um, you know, nobody can see me. So now I am like, uh, what might be called straight size or, um, I'm, you know, what might be called like a healthy weight. 
I, uh, people remember that I'm vegetarian, which is so fucking weird. Uh, but anyway, so yeah. So That's so psychologically of, interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I get treated very differently, um, in those two bodies for sure. Like, mm. and also just a note about language. So like, I, I'm good. I have used the fat, the word fat over and over again. It's one of my favorite F words. Um, uh, <laughs> and it's, it can just be a neutral descriptor of someone's body. Like it doesn't have to have all those connotations and judgments with it of like, you know, the reason oftentimes we avoid using the word fat is that we think it's a negative thing, mm. but ultimately it, it is just an accurate description of how I had more adipose tissue compared to a arbitrary set midpoint. Right. Mm. Um, and, and again, circling back to my much earlier point, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit, but uh, a third of people who are healthy weights are metabolically Mm -hmm. unhealthy right. so fat is used sometimes as this indicator of health but actually bmi and weight and things like that are not good measurements of health they just literally don't correlate mm -hmm. um labs and diet and exercise which many people many fat people do exercise and eat healthy diets as i did um you know, get discriminated against by medical professionals mm -hmm. and the general public because they look a certain way, even though they actually are healthy. There's something called the health at every size movement. Um, and that's kind of, that encapsulates it. It's, mm. it's interesting, the, the the piece about like vegetarianism, veganism, and the and the association with health is, is very interesting because like, of course, like, of course that could, that, that could mean healthy, it could. Mm -hmm. I know. I know people that are that are have are vegan and have been vegan for a very long time that have this social image of health and size, but the vegan things that they're eating, being <laughs> vegan, really just meaning a an absence of dairy and meat products. It, though there are plenty of things that lack dairy and meat that are really shitty <laughs> that are yeah. really not good that are not good that are that are generally over and over again for long periods of time not good food choices but then but get like just that social application of the term and in conjunction with how somebody looks you could go oh that person is healthy because right. of the way that they look or because of the way that they eat it, it just it just like you said in the inverse where you're sitting as somebody who is overweight not metabolically unhealthy and eating healthy. Right. Just like how those two things can exist. How, how do you think Kyla feels about you making these digs at her? I'm, not, di not, I'm not digging at Kyla. <laughs> Kyla. Kyla has been vegan for, for her pretty much her entire <laughs> life. Vegan I'm not, dog, not digging vegan at Kyla. Chicken, and, you know, vegan chicken. I know she loves her. I know she loves her tempeh. <laughs> Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you get your podcasts.
So going back to uh, to that moment where you you know you were just under the 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 uh, uh, the weight limit to go through with the the, the weight loss surgery in your twenties. What, what was the, like, what was the sort of, uh, what was the journey from there to the, to the moment where you, you actually, uh, did qualify to, to get the surgery and what, and what was it that changed? Well, I mean, basically I was at an impasse, right? Because I could either gain weight or develop a disease, which right. obviously put me in a very weird position. Yeah. And maybe some people would just say, okay, I'll gain 10 pounds and then I can lose more than 10 pounds but I I sort of was like you know what I've been I've been dieting basically my whole life at this point it hasn't worked the average person who diets gains weight and so I'm just going to continue to live my life hopefully I don't develop any underlying conditions and you know most likely eventually I will gain weight and that that is essentially what what ended up happening I Mm. By the time I sort of had time to go through that whole process again, I had exceeded my goal. <laughs> um, you know, it's been it's been uh, I just had surgery about a year and a half plus ago. And, you know, the, the world's been kind of stressful, especially here in the States. No so, doubt. you know, uh, I, I, ga- I gained some weight. That's how I qualified for surgery. How, how old were you when you had the surgery? How, like, how, and how old are you now? Well, Jeremy, you and I are exactly the same age because we have exactly the same birthday. <gasps> Wait, really? What? Your birthday's January 5th, 1988? Yes. What? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. What time were you born? Let's look up your, uh, your astrological chart. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh God. Twinsies. Wait, wouldn't you, same, wouldn't you have the no, same? Wouldn't no, Just... you have the same? No, you wouldn't. Uh, you wouldn't because <laughs> it's, it's all dependent on where you're b- born on the planet and the time that you're born. It's yeah, going to change. What is your rising it'll, moon? It'll change your rising moon. It'll change your, yeah, your all Sorry, Guys, out of the loop. Yeah, you're, you're, well, you're a Not fucking really, idiot. Not really. Doesn't mean anything. Um, I, I do have a, a. Do you actually know what time you were born? I do actually, because I was born by a C-section. Uh, um, what, what time? Never seen my mom's vagina, guys. Hey, me too. Nice. Woo! Uh, Eleven thirty-six. Uh, PM or, or AM? A- a- oh, I'm so sorry. There are two of those. Um, AM. And uh, where on earth were you born? <laughs> New Haven, Connecticut. All right, Man. it's really that specific. Oh fuck yeah, yeah. Uh, New Haven, Connecticut. Okay, here we go. Just, just, just for, just for a second here. Just so you know. Do you need longitude and I latitude? Uh, your sun is in Capricorn. Same. Uh, your moon is in Scorpio. Ooh. Ooh. Your uh, Aries rising uh, is uh, ascendant. Um, your Mercury is Capricorn. Your Venus is in Sagittarius. Your Mars you is Aquarius. Uh, well, Uranus is Aquarius. Very you, got a wet, you got a wet ass. Very, very interesting. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. Uh, I Aquarium. Um, I, I wanted to ask a, a, a serious question. Um, I'm, I'm curious, Sadie. I, I'm curious about like the this sort of like conversation that you had with yourself about like like even thinking about mm-hmm. having surgery. Um, what what is that like? Like, what are the things that you were considering that that sort of tipped you to the side of thinking, okay, I think surgery is the right decision for me? Yeah, I mean, uh, was it the right decision? I I believe so. No, I mean, I I am ultimately sort of on the whole glad that I ended up having the surgery. Um, yeah, I mean, 
that that was that was a very difficult question for me and i definitely weighed the pros and cons heavily um oddly enough uh there's a couple of uh facebook groups that are actually really helpful for this um that people can connect to if they're considering having the surgery and you can basically go on there and there are literally tens of thousands of people who've had you know one of these surgeries on these groups and you can ask any question and get like a variety of experiences, which was really helpful for me because I mm. really valuable value people's personal experiences, which is why I listen to this podcast. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so, so I, I had gained and lost weight, like significant portions of weight around like, let's say 60 pounds. I'd lost 60 pounds twice in my life, but then gained that back and then some, and I just, you know, I was, like I said, I, I was, I was active. I mean, I, I, I've done every sport. Uh, I, you know, generally eat healthy and it just wasn't working. It wasn't enough. Um, and so ultimately, even though, you know, and I had a relatively easy experience, uh, there are some people who experience something called dumping syndrome, which is as unpleasant as it sounds. Yeah, no news for you, Jeremy. Like, you love hey, shitting, so it's all good there. Dumping but. syndrome is my middle name right now. Uh, <laughs> just right just right now? Just right now. Well, I mean, for the last, like, five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is it pooping? What, what is dumping syndrome? So it's, yeah. So it's like expelling the uh, food through both ends uh, until it is all gone um, for generally a short period of time. But you also get like, obviously nausea, but like headaches and you feel like incredibly tired. And it's just kind of like this intense spell of uh, food poisoning, basically. But it could be from a totally benign food that you ha that's even healthy and that you have eaten every day for your entire life. And it might be your favorite food. And then you can like never eat that food again. Like oh literally God. your body just does not tolerate it. Huh. And it's completely random and different for everybody. Like there are some foods um, that are common, but I, I never experienced that. I I literally, oddly enough, can count the number of times I've thrown up since surgery, and it's one. Um, and it was because I very mistakenly ate day-old veggie sushi. Even if it's veggie, day-old sushi is never good. No. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I had so, a relatively easy time. So dumping syndrome is a, is a byproduct for some people after uh, after the, the, the gastric sleeve surgery? Mm -hmm. oh, okay, I see. Okay. So, so when you, when you ended up getting to the point of actually going through with the surgery, what was it, what was that like? Like what is, you know, walk us through the surgery itself. I know we talked about what the surgery is, but like for your own, like your own experience of what that surgery, you know, what that process was like, um, how was it? How, you know, how, how, how wild did, was the process and, and how did you feel, you know, before, during and after? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the surgery itself is actually pretty chill. It, it's just one night in the hospital. So, you know, obviously I couldn't eat anything the, the night before the day of, um, I go into the surgery. I wasn't allowed any visitors or anything because this was about six months into COVID or so. I thought I wasn't going to be able to get the surgery until after COVID, which was definitely a major bummer. And then I was kind of surprised I could get it during COVID, but before the vaccine, which is 
kind of bananas. My anesthesiologist actually was wearing his mask below his nose. And I was like, <laughs> you've got to be fucking kidding me, right? You're like, you're the one person I don't, I expect this to not happen with. Yeah, I was like, please put me asleep immediately so I can be less annoyed. Um, but yeah, the surgery itself only takes about half an hour. Um, like I said, so they pump you full of air. And so the biggest issue you have after surgery is that the air is not in your digestive system. It's just in your abdominal cavity and so it has to work its way back into the tissues and out of your body without like sorry to be so crass but i mean on this podcast of all podcasts but you know you can't like fart and burp it out yeah it has to just kind of work its way through you so like i got um you get the shoulder pain yes yeah Uh, yeah dude and it's fucking brutal Whoa, and really? there's nothing yeah. you can do about it pain medication doesn't nope. work right pain, pain, pain medication doesn't do shit it's yeah. the most like un i mean it's probably different for everyone but depending on like how intense your your laparoscopic surgery is mine was quite extensive um and they pumped me full of gas like i was so bloated up and it was it honestly, it w- it might be the most uncomfortable I've ever been in my entire life. Do they always that process. do gas for yeah. laparoscopic surgeries? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they need to like what what they <clears throat> space I, I, to work. I could be wrong, yeah, but it's yeah. something like that. It's like they need to essentially like pu- like puff you up to get the space they need in order to get the the tools in and the cameras to do the work. Like if you so, looked at the scars on my body, that they're barely noticeable. There's not like they're very small. Yeah. They're ve- they're they're tiny little incisions. But, but the fact that they went in there and pulled out, you know, 70% of my, my colon is, it's a wild thought. Mm. But in order yeah. to do that, there's a lot of gas that goes in there. And, and like you said, you can't fart, you can't burp, <laughs> you can't like, you know, you can't like, like beat it out of yourself. My and appendix was the same. I had laparoscopic surgery, but I don't remember. I think for something like that, it's pretty, it's pretty low key. But uh, for something like even say, I'm, I'm guessing with yours, Sadie, that's, that's kind of, it's, it's probably a little bit more gas than than something like a um all gas no breaks yeah 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 (laughs) wait didn't dennis have his appendix out uh, (laughs) i'm gonna be the guest with the most callbacks because i'm just every episode anyway so that's great i appreciate it (laughs) um yeah so like i had to get up every two hours and walk around to like work the gas like through my body um when i got home for whatever reason they actually did tell me to take gas x which did Ooh. seem to help, which was kind of weird to me, but I think you got, you guys would really appreciate this. So if you think about it, they make, like you said, these tiny incisions, um, and uh, they removed 80% of my stomach, like I said. Now, what do you see as potentially being an issue with that? Overeating very easily? Yeah. No, no, no. no. I mean, with the surgery itself. Like, uh, you're, Well, your stomach is further up than where the laparoscopic holes go, or... Well, yeah, I mean, like, how do they get your stomach out? Right, um, yeah. How do they remove that, like, portion of your stomach that they've they've removed? Um, and so for most, do you guys want to take any guesses? Do they pull it out of your vagina or your butthole? <laughs> <laughs> um. Hey, I just saw a human, I just saw a human come out of a vagina, so I'm going, anything, yeah, anything goes come for me. Out of there, yeah. <laughs> I'm revoking your license, Taylor. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Any That's other? a it's, it's I mean, my, my guess is I mean with with my surgery they they pulled it out of my belly button. 
Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I didn't realize. So yeah, it is the same, like, which I think is so metal that yeah. they just like pull your stomach out of your belly button. Do you have the little like sort of question mark, upside down question marks shaped scar? On yours? Well, so I am, I'm looking at my stomach. I am very disappointed because apparently my stomach is a little too high for that. And so they actually did make a separate incision that's only like an inch long above my belly button. So it's uh. supposed to be out of your belly button. Um, but, you know, again, in this way, my body was wrong. And no, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> yeah, so they pulled, pulled my stomach. And I actually, you guys would appreciate this. I, I did not actually do this, but I thought about like asking them if I could keep it yeah I even though I'm a vegetarian I thought it would be really cool if I could eat my own stomach oh, that would be, that, no, that's so metal I didn't realize it is an upside down question mark yeah it is yeah metal. you have it too yeah cool um but but wait so they didn't let you eat your stomach then unfortunately no huh. I just thought like the conversation between the two parts of my stomach like what are you doing back here again you know, like- <laughs> oh my god uh, I'm not gonna say it I was gonna I, say something about a Seinfeld episode but I won't say I, it yeah thank you I would I would have I would have kept it and not ate oh, it but no. I would have I used it as like a cookie jar you know like you put what? the you put your favorite or like a, or like a treats for your dog. You know those cool sense. little pouches that people wear with the like dog treats on the yeah. like I, that. Yeah, yeah. I imagine That's every, every time I see one of those, I go cool. Yeah, we yeah, just yeah, got so a, cool. yeah. Maddie and I just got these really cool um, uh, leftover like fruit and vegetable covers. They're just these like sort of like elastic, rubbery like um, yeah, sort of just things you just stretch over a piece yes. of like yeah. um, cut fruit or vegetable. And uh, I imagine that your stomach would be a really be good perfect. Like, yeah. tool yeah. for that. Okay. That would probably work really well. Yeah. Interesting. And it would be so familiar for my stomach. It would be like, I've seen an apple before. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can do this. Um, but yeah, so then in terms of the surgery, I just spent the night in the hospital. I, I couldn't sleep, uh, which is a common experience in hospitals. I had to get blood thinner, like injected into my, my, just my abdomen, not like specifically my stomach, um, which was like probably the most painful thing in terms of soreness from the actual incisions and stuff. It kind of just felt like I had done a million sit-ups. Yeah. So I was already off to a great start to the weight loss. Right. Yeah. Right. Sure. <laughs> well, sure. I feel like I just got a good solid workout. in. So it, it seems like it was a, a relatively like easy process, like no, not, not a lot of complications or anything like that. Um, but one thing that I'm, I'm really curious about, um, is I, I was just having a conversation last night, a really fascinating conversation with a couple of my friends about, um, we were talking about like top surgery, um, for, for like gender f- affirmation surgeries. And, and we were talking about like the, a friend of mine, her, her aunt is going through top and bottom surgery, um, and in, in like the coming weeks. And we were talking about like how, um, how those surgeries come with a host full of like really intense emotions afterwards. There's a, there's a, there's for, for some people, there's, there's quite a extensive period of like, um, adjusting to this new you and, and it can be really, it can be a really big struggle for a lot of people. And so I, I, f- I can imagine for, for some folks who are going through with the surgery that you've had, Sadie, um, it, it's not that, Uns, it's it's not that different um, in the fact that you are you you really are going through the surgery that's going to change your body in a way that it hasn't been changed uh, in, in you know in in a potentially a very long time. So what mm-hmm. like mentally for you, what was the process of of kind of coming out of that surgery and getting used to this new body and like was there some mental fuckery there? Like what what kind of 
what kind of realizations did you make or, or things did you unearth, um, uh, you know, regarding your feelings about your body or, or food or exercise or any, anything like that um, after, after going through this process? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for me, because it was about the weight loss and, you know, the surgery does not remove any fat whatsoever. It's just that it makes your stomach smaller. So you eat less. So you lose weight over time. Um, so it was more of a gradual process for me, obviously, Mm. um, just, you know, again, I said, I wouldn't mention numbers so much, but no one can see me. So, uh, although I guess you'll see the before and after pictures on Instagram. Um, but I did lose about 150 pounds over the course of the last year and a half plus. And that is certainly a dramatic shift for sure. Um, you know, I went from being what used to be called morbidly obese. Um, now it's called like class three obesity because good Lord, morbidly obese. What a term. Um, (laughs) I also have a question for you on that. I mean, uh, in in a world in, uh, um, that is, that is certainly a stride forward to not call it morbidly obese because that basically just means dead obese. Right. Um, but like, and, and I guess maybe just the fact that they don't use that term anymore answers this question, but like especially in your case and in the case of like the 33% of people that are obese, but don't, that don't have, they're not metabolically unhealthy. That term like really doesn't make any sense. Right. In that, in that, in that sense, because how can you apply the, 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 the idea of the term morbid to somebody who's might be overweight, but isn't metabolically unhealthy. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of fear in the medical community of fat people. And I think there's like, I think we put a lot of our own fears around death on fat people because a lot of the argument for like, sure, health at every size and and body acceptance and all this kind of stuff. uh, But what about health? And like, you know, shouldn't you lose weight to be healthier or whatever often kind of creeps into the conversation, which I know is not what you're trying to drive home, Taylor, at all. Mm -hmm. But Um, It does still in sort of the general public creep into the conversation um, because people fear their own death. And so they sort of export that onto people who are like visibly unhealthy. There's actually really great um, work in the fat liberation movement is very intersectional with things like uh, trans rights and uh, disability justice as an obvious one. Clearly feminism, because a lot of this stuff is put on women and femmes and non-binary people. Um, And with racial justice as well, because, uh, for example, even the concept of BMI was originally for, and I think you guys have talked about this on the podcast Mm -hmm. before, but was originally about finding a ratio for uh, European men and was quickly used to demonize enslaved Black women who naturally had you know more fat on their hips and their breasts and things like that so there's Mm. the really really wonderful uh cross cross sectional work being done there intersectional work there's a another just this is my last book that i'll mention is (laughs) um the other f word uh which is an anthology about a bunch of different stories about being uh fat and trans fat and black fat and indigenous fat and Mm. queer etc but i will speak from my own personal experience um because i I am, I am white. I am cis presenting. I am uh, femme presenting. And so I have had like that specific experience in the world. I haven't had to deal with on top of being fat, having to deal with racism and things like that. Um, so in my specific experience, um, you know, I had ignored, a, not ignored, but like 
kind of suppressed, I guess, a lot of feelings around body image, I kind of just put them to the side um, because I had bigger fish to fry in terms of like processing my trauma. And, and it was like a dark and scary place. Like um, I, I've been in therapy for many years. I fucking love my therapist, which is awesome. But uh, she is a skinny bitch. And I did indeed <laughs> ask her one day, we have the type of relationship where I was like, have you always been a skinny bitch? And this was back when I was fat. And I was like, and she has, she's always been a skinny bitch, not her fault. And uh, I was like, we just, we can't talk about that stuff. Like we can't talk about body image. We can't talk about exercise. We occasionally would talk about like food and stuff like that on a very cursory level. But when I started losing the weight, it actually like unearthed, like suddenly the floodgates opened and I had a lot to process around mm. the cultural messages uh, women and people in general receive around uh, food and exercise. I definitely have worried and continue to worry uh, that I've sort of replaced food with exercise in terms of a coping mechanism. And I'm like trying to find the right balance with all of those things um, because at when I was fat, I was often perceived as having a disability and there's nothing wrong with having a disability, of course, but I was given a lot of negative connotations around that, that I was less smart, that I was less capable, that I was less physically strong. And now that I'm healthy people, I mean, I'm so sorry. Look at that. I just did it right now. Now that I am what appears to be a healthy size, people often assume that I'm more capable and more, and honestly mm. smarter and more physically strong, even though that's not necessarily true. Like besides my body size, I am literally exactly the same person. I'm just mm. as dumb as I used to be. <laughs> was that, was that, what, was that what got unearthed with your therapist? Like that, that it was, it was seeing how people started to treat you differently in a different body that you were like, holy shit. I just am realizing now the shit that I was suppressing in, in my previous body, pre-surgery, pre-weight loss. Yeah, that was definitely a lot of it. Like, so when I really significantly lost a lot of weight in, in the U.S. at least, uh, the world sort of started opening up again uh, during COVID, uh, which it probably shouldn't have, but that's another conversation. <laughs> and so I was in this smaller body for the first time in like a decade um, and out in the world again. And it was already sort of like scary enough to be just out in public, out in the world. Um, but I was getting comments from, you know, excuse present company but like from men uh I live in a large city and so I was getting like catcalled and just comments on my about my body out in public mm. and so, so all great. of those things so great mm, <laughs> so fun <laughs> so fun um and it just was like a lot to deal with all at one time um so mm. that was part of it um yeah a lot of like oh, again men I I I am I'm queer as fuck so I date people of like all genders but uh, it happened to be a lot of ex-boyfriends for some reason or male friends who sort of like came out of the woodwork mm. and were starting to like slide into slip to slide into my dms <laughs> and i was slip and slide happening yeah yeah and i was and i was like wow this is so gross like what the actual fuck like yeah. are you this shallow no shade to any specific exes i promise not to mention any of your names 
uh, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I actually literally just tried to think of any other name other than the three of you, and it did that thing of like you can't think of anything other than what's <laughs> right. Don't, don't think of Elvin. Um, so you just said the name that you so, wish like, was, was your um, boyfriend. Um, hey, I get it. <laughs> like and 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 did you? Hey, what up? I girl? mean, I, I mean, I must, that must feel. I mean, I, I can imagine that that must feel particularly ridiculous because from an intellectual, like your, like you as Sadie, like your essence, like removing physical, like anything mm-hmm. physical, like just who you are at your sort of core. Like, are, are you, are you feeling the same and then seeing just how the world around you is experiencing your external and not your internal? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So the, yes. So that is definitely part of it um, in terms of, yeah, how, how other people perceive me and how the world is radically different uh, depending on how you look. Um, and then also, I also started to pay a lot more attention to my own body. Um, there actually is a fantastic study. It was specifically for women that showed that women cannot throw a ball as far, run as fast, or perform as well on math or reading tests if they are thinking about how other people perceive their bodies Mm -hmm. which is just crazy to think about and that's got to be a massive portion of the population yeah i would i would imagine yeah Mm -hmm. no so that's not just um fat people but i would imagine that would be everybody like everybody like everybody's so many people are walking around with that handicap you know just of going i can't allot my brain to these things that matter because I'm I'm subconsciously or consciously worried and thinking about the way that other people think of me, which is just like one of the most horrible human pieces of the human condition probably that there is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like my, and I'll let you go in a second, Brian, but um, I know I've been talking a lot. I mean, I am being interviewed after all. (laughs) Yeah, Um, you're the star. (laughs) This is about you. This is your episode, so be weird if you weren't talking. (laughs) (laughs) Just going to be really quiet for the rest of it. Um, No, no, no. No, but in the, so I've been rock climbing on and off like uh, for several years. And literally just the other day, a friend asked me if she, if I felt like I could uh was better at rock climbing now that I had lost the weight and yeah of course I mean literally there is less of me to like carry up the wall so yes of course that helps and building muscle and all that kind of stuff but I also said that part of the reason that I'm a better rock climber is just that I literally feel more comfortable and I feel more like I belong in the gym which does not really say that much about me it says more about the kinds of spaces that we create Mm -hmm. like in the fitness you know in the fitness world Mm. totally i mean i I see that in my i see that in myself like in when when summer rolls around i start riding my bike more you start to see you know a muscle changes a little bit or whatever you or you or maybe you just or maybe you're just i'm faster and so i start to think about my body more in those times Mm. even though like that's not like i would not characterize myself as somebody who thinks about that but then when that time of year rolls around and I see these little changes happening in my body, it triggers more thought around that thing, you yeah. know, like, like, which is, which is, it, it, which is sort of a, which is kind of sort of, it seems kind of backwards in terms of, you know, you're seeing, you know, these quote unquote improvements being made, which 
might be enhancing like self-consciousness and, you know, some mm. sort of psychological. Um, I mean, I've, I've never thought about my body more than I have in the last, since November, since I started Trikafta. And maybe it's just changed. Maybe it's, it's just it's, changed. It's, it's been, I, I haven't even thought about that until just, just now in this conversation. Like it's, I'm constantly thinking about it and, and it's, um, because you're changing, and, right? And I mean, before that, I never did. I never, I never really thought about it, like, and and or nor did I really want to. And now it's like right in my face, and it's, it's, uh, it's kind of jarring sometimes. Mm. You know, it's it is it, it's very, I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot to like. There's already so much to fucking mm. think about, and and now now this like right in front of your face. You're like, oh, yeah. Jesus I think Christ, it says a lot about like exhausting. it says a lot about just like humans in general, like whatever size, health, anything that you are the fact that it's kind of, we have, like you said it before, say like the spaces that we sort of create and organize for each other, like part this, it's such a, it's such a weird fabric of the human experience that we are constantly thinking about ourselves in relation to others Mm -hmm. and, and, and what, and whether that's a positive thing or a negative thing and what that does to us and how it limits, like you brought up the thing about math and sports and everything like how it limits your capacity to 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 do well at those things. It's it's interesting because it's uh like it's this this whole conversation is really a lot about a the social construct of it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh Maddie's taking a disability management course right now. We were learning last night. I was reading her book with her and we were learning about the medical model of uh disability and the social mm. model of disability. Yeah. And the social model of disability. It's so so like crazy to look at and and consider all the barriers that exist purely because of the way that society is mm-hmm. it, like mm-hmm. like none of these disabilities would exist if there wasn't a social system for them to exist in which is is wild it goes back to that yeah. like that like example that i've given of like you know imagine an office building with 20 stories in it and no elevator or no stairs but you know, 40% of the population has wings and they can fly. Now, all of a sudden, all of us who sort of view ourselves as able-bodied are now disabled in that society if we're Mm. trying to live with the winged workers. Mm. So it's live with the winged workers who don't believe in elevators. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But it's like that for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Like it's, yeah. yeah. So, and, and honestly, like in terms of my weight trajectory before surgery, Um, one of, you know, you had asked me, you know, why I ultimately decided to get it. And one of them was so that I could shop more comfortably in any clothing store, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of clothing stores say, oh, we have more, uh, sizes online, check out our website. What does that say about the type of people that you want in your store? Right. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't offer those sizes at all, that's even more exclusionary. I was starting to get big enough where I was uncomfortable on airplanes, but Mm. like, why does an airplane seat have to be so freaking tiny? Like that is uncomfortable for most people. Mm. I'm still uncomfortable because just because I have stupidly long legs, Um, you know, money, money, unfortunately. Well, but that's the other interesting thing is um, in, in the social model. um, It talks about how really any fix that would be created for somebody who's experiencing any of these barriers would actually benefit everybody anyway. Yeah. It's like curb right. cuts, like things yeah. like that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, then you come along, you're quote unquote able-bodied and you're pulling your suitcase and you go to go through a curb cut that is designed for a wheelchair person. Well, you're probably pretty fucking happy 
that you can just wheel yeah. your suitcase along yeah. too, right? So, yeah. And I have a stroller that I'm kicking along now, and yeah. I benefit greatly from that. Totally. I, I wanted to ask, um, to come back to the surgery itself, because I've had this question, like I, when you're talking about it, I, I'm curious about how this works, because if you have 80% of your stomach removed, um, I guess we haven't said this directly, but I'm assuming that basically you feel full faster when you eat, mm. and then you you eat less. But it's interesting for me to think of because I always think of, you know, the calories that we eat, the food that we eat as, as energy. And so, you know, like I know that we require a certain amount of caloric intake per day to energize ourselves to get through the day. And I'm imagining if you've lost, um, like losing as much weight as you have, that you're in a caloric deficit during that time, which sort of enables you to lose that weight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm wondering like when you get to like, sort of this place where you've lost the weight that you want to lose or feel like you're in this zone or whatever that you get to, um, does like, are you able to eat enough food at that point to, to, you know, properly, um, energize your body? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So up until this point, um, yeah, my body, it's basically the, the diet that they put you on is basically like keto with even less fat, which most people who've tried keto is like fat is like your savior. So it's an intense diet. It's basically all protein for two months and then you add in veggies and then for a month and then you add in fruit for a month. And then six months later, you finally add in grains. Um, and so, yeah, it's an intense diet for sure. And yeah, you're right. Like took me like 30 minutes to eat a yogurt, um, which (laughs) is an experience. Uh, but no, I mean, yeah, at this point I am back to more of what I probably like a diet that I probably an amount of food that I probably would be eating if I had always been roughly this weight or like always been within what is considered like a healthy weight range. Um, and it's, it's actually an incredible experience for me because the thing is since before I can remember, I, before I had the weight loss surgery, I had been like painfully hungry all day long. And Mm. I, of course, you know, tried to ignore that feeling as much as possible and, you know, push down that impulse but obviously that's exhausting and like I had to sort of give into it sometimes or you know whatever at least three to six times throughout the day um but that was one of the biggest reliefs from the surgery was that for the first time really that I can remember I suddenly wasn't hungry um because there's like hunger hormones that are specifically correlated with your stomach. So if you just remove the stomach, you have a lot less of those hunger hormones and they do. Yeah, it's weird. So they do, um, slowly build back over time. So around six months, I like started to feel hunger again. And now Hmm. I probably have like a fairly average or typical relationship with hunger. And I, even though the stomach doesn't stretch out that much, I don't really understand. I think part of it is like your stomach is also inflamed at first because it's just (laughs) been operated on. It's a little pissed off. Um, But the swelling goes down and it stretches out a little bit because now I can eat like small meals throughout the day. So I tend to just kind of eat like rather than have, um, you know, three actual meals and then maybe a couple Mm -hmm. snacks, I'll have like six really small meals or big snacks throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Um, So I... I don't know like how my diet compares to the average person. Some people do complain of like being tired all the time, 
I mean, it's 2020. I I am tired all the time. I don't <laughs> I don't think that has to do with my diet necessarily. Um, I think part of what's helped me is also just exercising. Like exercise helps me sleep better and gives me more energy throughout the day. And and I I do eat probably a fairly normal diet at this point. I mean, it's kind of hard to compare what is typical mm. to like any yeah. other human you, know? uh, you must be really tired because it's 2022 i know yeah it's not it's two years yeah. later than you thought yeah, it was yeah. w- w- I, wake I up sleep for two years. <laughs> wake up uh, <laughs> it does feel like it's still it does yeah. time has it, been it really time has been weird i i have a question about and, and maybe this is just like <laughs> dumb fucking social bullshit um but given your experience having um having been this weight and then having a surgery and losing a lot of weight and experiencing like a lot of the social like um like ramifications might not be the right word but uh um impacts or anything from seeing how people kind of view you and treat you and and i'm wondering how you feel about um i'm some the thing that's standing out of my mind is the is the uh, the story of how like Adele lost weight and then like people were pissed that she lost weight because she was mm. this like the, she was this like figure for for people who were overweight and like that she had betrayed them in some sense like how what's your take on that <laughs> as somebody who's been through this whole process? Mm, yes, um, that is interesting. Yeah, because also a big identity shift for me was that. Yeah, I did have some sense of pride, like as a big girl specifically, like I identified as a big girl and like there are, you know, like there's Adele, there's Lizzo, there's like mm-hmm. Megan Trainer, or whatever, um, who, you know, are these like uh, big celebrities and uh, they talk about, you know, uh, body image and all this kind of stuff. And I, yeah, I sort of identified with that, especially as a woman. Um, and there was sort of a bit of a losing of that identity. And I did have to sort of like process and, and, uh, yeah, like grieve that loss, um, in a way. And I'm sort of still, still grieving it. Like, it's very weird because my, my jokes land differently. Like I have to be careful about what I say, especially if people don't know that I used to be bigger, Mm. but I think one of the biggest things, um, and I'm sorry if this doesn't answer your, your question directly, but like, um, when I also started talking to my friends about my, my, my body image and things like that, they sometimes got a little bit upset with me because it felt like I was revealing this cultural lie, which is that if you lose weight, you will be happy, Mm. right? Like this is the cultural lie that we tell women specifically to sell Mm -hmm. them a bunch of bullshit, Mm -hmm. Um, like literal physical products. Um, And not only that you'll like love your body, but that you will like you'll, you'll have all the partners you want and you'll, you know, you'll be rich and you'll be like so fucking happy. And that just wasn't true for me. And I think that's probably not true for most people. Like happiness just doesn't work that way. It's, it's much more internal and it comes from, yeah, it comes from within. It doesn't come from your body image, like the lie that we're sold commercially. And so especially my, my friends who may be like, um, were self-conscious about their body because they gained a little bit of weight during COVID. Like they were especially not happy with me unearthing this lie because 
like as a bigger person, I did, even though I didn't really realize it at the time, I held on to this lie that like, if I just lost the weight, then I would be happy. Mm-hmm. And thinking that way sort of got me through or like propelled me through some tough days, even though that thinking ultimately, um, you know, was not, was not helpful or was mm. not happy. And like, and people still comment on my body. So like people commented on my body when I was quote unquote too big and people say like, oh, you need to stop losing weight or haven't you lost enough weight? You're good now. Mm. It is still my body and my body alone. It is still Adele's body and Adele's body alone. Like I get to make decisions about what I eat, how I exercise, how I care for my body, what it looks like, what I wear, et cetera. Me just by myself. Um, you know, it's really nobody else's business. Mm, fuck um, yeah. So that hasn't changed. I think that's most like one of the most important things yeah. is like why like why would anybody ever talk about somebody else's body? Like yeah. I, I love like I, what do you want? I, and is it and as long as that is genuine and you feel authentic about that, yeah. like that should be what what you yeah. do. I, I love that quote about um um like small minds talk about people, average <laughs> minds talk about events, great minds talk about ideas. And like that's what I think of when you're talking about somebody's body, like you're talking about people and that's so yeah. small minded. Yeah. Like, like I remember, like I remember dumb. And on, on both sides of it that like that, that people attach the image of like happiness and contentment should be like, you know, you, uh, utopian future, like should be completely dissociated from what we look like and what other people think we look like. Yeah. And, and I think of, a. Uh, like on on both sides of that, that there that that you should be that you could be more successful or happy or have X Y Z if you're smaller or like I remember Melissa McCarthy saying that she had movie producers tell her that not to lose weight because she wouldn't be funny anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. if yeah, she wasn't if she yeah. wasn't the size that she was, which is insane in it in it, it, it which is also insane. Yeah, when, when it comes I to mean, um, clearly, I haven't gotten any less funny. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, not st- at all. Humor still very much intact. <laughs> the the interesting thing though that it it reminds me of too is like is like I feel like people say things that come from like a place that they think is helpful. It reminds mm. me sort of of like you know that like the thing like in the nineties, like a movie mom that finds out that her, her son is gay is like, is like, it's okay that you're gay. I'm just, I just feel bad that you're going to have a harder time in life. Like, Mm. it's like, it's like not, is like not fully accepting them because they're like, Oh, I'm, I'm concerned that you're going to now face more struggles. So now I feel sad for you that you're gay. And maybe if you just don't feel that way, then you won't fulfill that prophecy. Yeah. Right. So it's like, (laughs) it's like the mom that wanted to grow the penis on her arm. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, if she just like fucking, you know what you're like, you're going to find your life. You're going to be okay. And not yeah. and not being like, look, I'll grow a dick in my arm for you. And I, <laughs> like, it's like actually, if we just, if we that, was, that, was, from, that was from today's episode. Today. I don't know if you listened to it yet. But, uh, I haven't, but I need to after this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sneak yeah. I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get Anik on the show. Uh, Sadie, what would you say is the biggest thing that your weight loss surgery has uh, taken away from you? Oh, I was so waiting for this question. Uh, yeah, sorry. Just, I I love this question. Um. About 150 pounds. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, yeah. So I I do think like this disillusionment of this idea of like thinness and happiness and all this kind of stuff. Although FYI, like 
Thank God. I am, I am actually pretty happy. Um, unrelated to my body, right? So much more mm-hmm. than a body. Um, but yeah, I would say um, a bit of like an identity as a big girl and like my connection that I would sometimes have with other women or just people in general around that. Um, but... <laughs> what would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you? Thanks. Um, So, yeah, I mean, just finding the fat liberation movement, you know, a little after the fact, but that's cool. I think of myself as like going back in time and like, you know, hugging my fat self, um, you know, sending sending love back through time towards towards my towards my fat self and of course you know loving the body then that I am in now whatever shape or size that that takes um just realizing that you know my my body does not exist to be looked at right it's so much more than that it's I can be grateful towards my body for so many wonderful reasons and that I am also so much more than just a body as Mm. we talked about. Hell yeah. Well, Sadie, uh, we love spending time with you and the fact that we got to do it, uh, uh, over the, a recording of an episode has just been such a delight. Uh, we're so glad that you've come into our lives as, as a patron, but also even more glad that you've come into our lives as a friend. And uh, I want to say thank you. Thank you for, for joining us today and sharing your story. And and uh, thank you for just being so fucking awesome. Oh, guys, thank you so much. I love you so much. Take care. Hell yeah, I love you. Love you. Aw. Love you. Uh. <laughs> Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And, of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.